You're listening to Search for Truth. Hello and welcome. Thanks for joining us. Now I'm going to introduce our Bible teacher Brian for talk number five in this series called Show Me the Way. There's a pattern laid down for us in the Bible as to how we ought to conduct ourselves as disciples of the Lord Jesus. It's important on an individual basis concerning our character, behaviour and attitude, but it's just as important what we do collectively as disciples together in worship and outreach to others. And that's laid down in the Bible for us as well. So let's go to Brian to tell us more about this with his talk called The Way of the Truth. Thanks, John. The Apostle Peter in the Bible warns about false prophets among the people, just as there will also be false teachers amongst you, he said who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of the truth will be maligned. Notice, please, his expression, the way of the truth. The Lord Jesus said he was the way, and in our series so far we've traced how the early Christian movement was referred to in the Acts of the Apostles on many occasions as the way. That's led us to think of them as a distinctive community. And now we'll see how they derive their separate identity from their commitment to the deposit of truth which the Lord had entrusted to them and which shaped their lives. Before we come to that, let me tell you about the occupation of northern Cyprus by Turkish forces in 1974. Looters stripped the region's churches, removing several dozen major frescoes and mosaics dating back to the 6th century. Since then, recovery efforts have resulted in the return of some of the pieces. A major breakthrough came some time back when German police in Munich arrested a central figure in the looting and selling of these church treasures. The cooperation of his former associate, a Dutch art dealer, with the Cypriot and German authorities made the arrest possible. In his apartments, police found Cypriot frescoes, mosaics and stolen paintings, including a possible Picasso, estimated to be worth more than $60 million. But what the Babylonians did to the Jerusalem temple in the 6th century BC was even worse. They looted the temple and carried away its precious and treasured vessels. Here we have the psalmist view of what the Babylonians did to the beautiful temple Solomon had built. It's from Psalm 74. The enemy has damaged everything within the sanctuary. Your adversaries have roared in the midst of your meeting place. They have set up their own standards for signs. It seems as if one had lifted up his axe in a forest of trees, and now all its carved work they smash with hatchet and hammers. They have burned your sanctuary to the ground. They have defiled the dwelling place of your name. Of course, this was not just desecration of works of art. This was a desecration of the place where God had said he would dwell on earth. They smashed up God's house like people hacking at trees in a forest, then burned it to the ground. Such contempt. As Paul wrote to Timothy, 
In his last Bible letter before he died, he predicted something just as bad would happen again. Churches of God would be looted by being emptied of biblical truth. The Apostle Paul shared the concern of the Apostle Peter with which we began, for he also warned of those who turn others away from the truth. The whole emphasis of Paul's last letter is on the Word of God. His last letter was his letter to Timothy. Paul knew his time was short, and when time is short, the mind tends to be concentrated on the things of real value. And for Paul, that meant the truth of God's word. He tells Timothy in 2 Timothy, hold on to the pattern of teaching and pass it on to others. Pass on, he says, to others the teaching you have heard from me. Then he tells him to correctly teach the word of truth and directs him to the sacred scriptures, reminding him that all scripture is profitable. Finally, he says, proclaim the message or preach the word. But in relation to what we've been saying, I want to emphasise three verses from Paul's letters to Timothy. Three verses which are all very similar. In fact, Paul uses the same verb and noun in triplicate as he gives this command to Timothy. Its first mention is found in 1 Timothy chapter 6. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version. And there Paul says, Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Then he follows that up in 2 Timothy chapter 1 which is the very next chapter he writes to Timothy, and he says, But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. He then continues by saying, Follow the pattern of the sound words which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Three times, you'll notice, Paul refers to something which had been entrusted to him by the Lord. And now in turn, of course, Paul has been entrusting it to Timothy. Some translators describe it as a deposit. That makes us think of what we do at a bank. We deposit money there for safekeeping and for the bank to use on our behalf so that we gain interest on it. So a deposit makes us think of something valuable which we possess, but which we give into the care of someone else for them to look after for us. And that's exactly the picture here, three times over, in fact. To apostles like Paul, first of all, the Lord Jesus had deposited the truth of God's word. That's something valuable. Through the teaching of the apostles, this deposit of truth, first given by the Lord, had been deposited now in the first churches of God, which were planted as a result of the apostles passing on what the Lord had taught to them. Now, as Paul faced up to death, this concern was uppermost in his mind that these churches would be looted of this valuable deposit by the action of false teachers bringing in error and introducing wrong teaching. Paul saw the Lord's teaching 
of which he had been made a steward as something good, something beautiful in fact, a precious treasure no less. It was to be held in trust from the Lord until the day that he would stand before the risen Christ at his judgment seat to give an account of his stewardship. Until then, it was to be guarded or kept as a prized possession. So with a word of military command, Paul says to Timothy, three times, guard it. I wonder if we have a passion for God's truth like Paul did. It's the fact that Paul tells Timothy three times over to guard the deposit of truth that shows his intensity, his passion. If Timothy succeeded in guarding the truth, keeping it from attack by all who dispose of inconvenient bits, then this would be a demonstration of the Spirit's power. There's an illustration of what Paul means when he tells Timothy to guard the truth. Once, when Paul gave his testimony of how he came to Christ, he said, this is Acts chapter 22, And when the blood of your witness Stephen was being shed, I also was standing by approving and watching out for the coats of those who were slaying him. When it says watching out for the coats, it is exactly the same as guarding the coats. It's the same word that he uses to Timothy. Those coats were people's treasured possessions, and they charged Paul with the responsibility of making sure that nothing happened to them while he was looking after them. They had handed them to Paul, and they expected them to be returned in the same condition as before. And that's what Paul meant here too. The Lord's handed his truth to us and will one day require it again at our hands, or at least demand an account of our stewardship. The truth, as Paul handed it to Timothy, was no mere outline or rough sketch of truth. What Paul had handed to Timothy for safekeeping was the pattern of sound words. The word pattern means a mould or model, so something definite and very precise. One Bible version, in fact, translates it as the standard, as in the standard teaching in all the then churches of God. And that's exactly what it was, for Paul taught the same thing wherever he went. He says, as I teach everywhere in every church, when he wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. In one part of the world where churches of God are growing fast today, I asked what was drawing people. I was told it was their evident adherence to this very same standard of the apostles' teaching of the first century, something they were spreading through a network of cell groups for home Bible study. Not a few who'd applied for fellowship professed to having been led to the Saviour by the earnest zeal of teenage girls in that church. Women were winning women with the word in home Bible study settings. Interviewees said they were impressed with the biblical role of women in worship there. By this they meant sisters remaining silent with their heads covered, exactly as we read off in 1 Corinthians. But they were equally impressed by the same sisters' earnest devotion to sharing the word. They would doubtless say that faithfulness to the biblical pattern promotes growth in their experience. 
But the point is, they're guarding the pattern in the way of the truth as at the very beginning of Christianity. The teaching of the Apostles was, of course, the Lord's teaching. It's the truth of God that we've been urged to defend, as Brian has said in his talk today. The words of our hymn are worth repeating, therefore. The cause of thy master with vigour defend. Be watchful, be zealous, and fight to the end, and stand like the brave. Anyway, that's almost all for today, I regret to say, but if you want to study in greater depth with the free transcript booklet for the whole of this series. So if you'd like a booklet, please contact us and ask for the title Show Me The Way. And if you're using the post, here's the address. Search for Truth, P.O. Box 111, Lee, spelt L-E-I-G-H, and the postcode WN71WJ, England. The email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. You may also be interested to access programmes and helpful advice on our website at uh, www.searchfortruth.org.uk. So thanks for listening. It's been great to have your company. If you can, please join us next week for the way of worship and service. But until then, it's very best wishes from Brian, David, our singers and me, John. Cheerio and may God richly bless you. 